Good morning, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to this week's episode of the Hardwood Nation podcast with your boy, C.L. Anthony, and my main man, Bryce Ward. What is going on, Bryce? Same as always, just some work and um, trying to enjoy my weekend. Glad to be here as always. Of course. So we are almost a month out from Media Day, which is really the official start of training camp. So we're, we're almost there. Turning through the slow period of the all season, but we're almost there. But something happened this week <laughs> that piqued the interest of the NBA. Donovan Mitchell was finally traded, and it wasn't to the New York Knicks. It wasn't to the Miami Heat. <laughs> it was to the Cleveland Cavaliers. <laughs> what were your first thoughts on this trade? Were you shocked, or were you like <clears throat> saying, finally, it's over? What were your first initial thoughts? I was thinking finally we have like some more conclusion because after the the Rudy Gay trade, I wasn't sure if they were keeping Mitchell, what they were doing. And then um, I thought it would really only affect free agent signings and stuff. But I guess the Kevin Durant domino and situation falling into place kind of allowed the rest of the league to really make a decision. Like, I'm not sure if this affected the trade talks at all, but like just from like an outsider looking in, it felt like it, the Kevin Durant Brooklyn situation was kind of holding up the entire league. And I, I thought that only affected like signings, but you know, I guess it could have affected more yeah. or it could have just been Danny Ainge being picky. Like who, who knows? Um, <clears throat> but I'm just glad to finally see the situation unfold. And like Utah is looking good between both their trades now with a ton of picks, I guess, and some good young talent, you know, um, Sexton's a nice piece to have, I think, start, you know, out of something, you know. So, <clears throat> but um, it seems like through rumors and hearsay that, uh, well, I get some people just straight up know that the Knicks offered certain things. And some people are just really annoyed that, especially Knicks fans, that it seems like there is a vendetta against them on the Utah side. I think. I even saw somewhere where Danny Ainge was quoted by saying something like, if the, if the Knicks trade was going to happen, it was going to be so obvious that the Knicks got the short end of that deal. Like, it was going to embarrass them. And you can't really do that as an organization, you know. So <clears throat> I'm excited it's over with. It makes the East even that much tougher, which I think we're going to get into later. But um, Cleveland surprised people last year. And I also think that they have a good chance, if healthy, um, to be a really consistently good team contending for probably like a mid to high tier playoff spot. Um, like I said, if healthy. So um, <clears throat> it makes them way more exciting. If I was a Cleveland fan, I'd be excited. Um, Utah, they're clearly going through a long rebuild. That's just starting now. So um that's one less team the West has to worry about. They'll drop off. Someone will fill that spot. But um, um, overall, it's just it's weird to see uh, the dynamic of some of these, like, um, these people that are in charge of teams and player movement and just, like, have some personal uh, opinions in there affecting some of that. And so this was, like, kind of a, a very good example to see, like, how, how weird uh, trade talks can go just based on relationships. So um, uh, it's very exciting to see. Glad to see it's finished for the players' sake so everybody, the teams and the players can get on the same page and start moving forward. So, 
What do you think? Utah has one more trade to make, and I'm going to get into that a little later before we transition into talking about Cleveland. But you, it just popped in my mind. Utah actually has one more trade to make, and I fully expect them to make it now. Um, Danny Ainge is a vengeful piece of shit. Okay. There, there's been back and forth between him and Pat Riley for years when discussing trades. Um, I know Mitchell had two teams in mind, of course, New York and Miami. Um, but Danny Ainge is a vengeful piece of shit. And what he did to New York for the duration of this offseason was disgusting. It, it, was, it was just really disgusting. You know, the rumor was, well, New York made it known that Mitchell wanted to come there, yada, yada, yada. That's not exactly how that went down. Um, the Knicks were extremely professional throughout this process, as far as I saw. Um, any time Danny Ainge would make a counter offer, the Knicks would add more. I mean, the Knicks literally did everything right for this to happen. <clears throat> Mitchell just didn't get traded in New York because Danny Ainge is a piece of shit. And I I feel bad for Knicks fans because I don't think New York was the one leaking all this shit out. I believe it was Utah leaking all this shit out to make New York look desperate. So for once in my life, I'm actually on the Knicks fans because the final offer, and I don't remember all the details, but the final offer that New York made to Utah was a better offer than what Cleveland made. And that's when I was like, fuck this guy. Like, for basketball reasons, New York actually included R.J. Barrett. They actually included a couple of more draft picks. What the fuck else do you want? <laughs> like, like, what else do you want? And then you 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 get this Cleveland deal out of left field. So at that point, I'm like, yeah, he's fucking them. He's screwing them. No one can tell me that what they got from Cleveland, marketing, Sexton, who I like, but still. You could have had R.J. Barrett and had him be the centerpiece of your rebuild, which is what New York's going to do now going forward because just signed this four-year extension. Um, it, it is vengeful. I feel sorry for Knicks fans that they had to deal with this for the duration of the offseason, and it, it's disgusting. And I, it, Danny Ainge should not be an executive in the NBA. And let's just be he wasn't a great NBA player. He was a bench player for most of his career. And this 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 aura that he has about him that he's this great executive is false. What he does is he uses relationships that he's had throughout the league, which most people do, to be able to pull these trades off. He's going to help his friends out. His friends are going to help him. Is he a great exec executive? Absolutely not, because he shits on all these trade partners. Eventually, he's going to run out of trade partners. <laughs> I don't think New York would be picking up the phone to discuss a trade with Utah anymore. And let's not forget a few years ago, Pat Riley pretty much said, fuck you, and hung up the phone on them when they were discussing the trade. So I I like the trade for Cleveland. Don't get me wrong. I, I like Donovan Mitchell, one, being in, in the East, and two, Cleveland has been on the rise for the last two years. Their culture has changed. They, they've upped their wins for the last two years. Um, but Dealing with Danny Ainge and seeing how he did the Knicks this offseason and jerked them off, I'm done. I'm absolutely done with that guy. I can't believe it. Um, and just to segue into this trade, they have to do right by Mike Conley. If they're going through a full rebuild, they have to get him out of there. They have mm -hmm. to get him to a contender. They have to do it by the trade deadline. 
I wouldn't wait that long. And I'm not saying it's anything personal with him in Utah. I wouldn't wait that long if I'm Utah. I'm getting him out of there right now. Get you, you want draft picks? Get you a fucking draft pick. I don't care. He needs to go to a contender. Find one. Maybe Dallas being a backup to Luka because they just lost Jalen Brunson. S- somewhere. <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah. But Mike Conley, at, th- at this stage of his career, doesn't deserve to be in a rebuilding situation. So send him back to Memphis. You know, Maybe he can back up Ja. Who knows? But he has to be on the contender. Um, he deserves that. He's been a great guy for the duration of his career. Um, that's the final trade since Utah is going full rebuild mode. That's yeah, the final trade sense. that I believe yeah. they have to make. Where do you see, um, you know, what situation do you see Mike Conley potentially falling in? Uh, well, uh, they can't, I don't know. They probably can't afford it. Um, and they just made a trade for someone else. So I doubt it. Um, the Lakers could have used them. Um, yeah. That's that was the first thing off the top of my head. Um, maybe another team that's like on the cusp. Where you, you mentioned uh, Memphis, maybe New Orleans. Trying yes. to think, trying to think yeah. of um, you know, Toronto <clears throat> teams that are right there that could use some extra. Um, I'm just trying to think off the top of my head. Uh, maybe Philly, Philly to add some depth there. Um, behind Harden because Harden's not going to be the same Harden. You know, I, yeah. I, 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 you know, any team that's contending, there's nothing yeah. bad to say about Conley. He helps yeah. any team immediately, with, both right. with his veteran presence and his poise at point guard. Right. Um, right. Uh, <clears throat> I, I used to get him a lot in fantasy basketball because he was so solid year to year. Um, mm-hmm. I've, I've liked him for a long time. So he, he can fit in anywhere, and he's a, he's a plus anywhere. The Heat, of course, could maybe use him. Um, we're already I mean, old enough. We're, that's I like love him, but we're, we're old that's enough. That's like the same as Lowry. If you're going to yeah, have Conley, you just have Lowry. So it's the same thing, basically. Young. Um, we need to go young. <laughs> we need youth. <laughs> Y'all aren't going to get it until you until you wipe that team out. You, <laughs> you got to hold, hold on to, like, Bam and, and maybe one other guy or something. All right. But, yeah, Conley could go anywhere. Where would you like to see him? Memphis. Let's just send him back home. Send him back home to Memphis. Um, I'm, uh, he he's one of the great guys in the NBA. Came from great stock. Just never been in any kind of trouble. Never heard of him being a bad teammate. Just just a true professional. Like I said, mm-hmm. that's the fi- that's the final piece of the puzzle, and that's the piece no one's talking about. Like, and he he could go. Okay, let's use Memphis as an example. You know. I love Memphis, but you also know I hate Memphis. You know, the trash talk and all this other shit. I think they need to act more professional, right? If you put Mike Conley back there, he can kind of calm those young guns down a little bit. They might need. What about um, Lonzo Ball is still experiencing some pain in his knee? You think something like that Chicago could benefit from, or do they still already have too many people there who want the ball in their hands? Chicago could be an option, but I think they're going to be fine um, because Zach Levine can ball handle. You don't want DeRozan to be the ball handler so much, but Zach Levine can ball handle. Um, Chicago's always tricky, right? Because uh, they are. Lonzo's okay, by the way. Yeah, I'd like to see him back because he was playing well before he got hurt. Yeah, he's going to miss the start of the season. So, um, But 
I because I don't want he Conley would go there and be the starter, and I don't want him to be in a situation. He needs to coast to the end, like just coast. <laughs> you know, come off the bench, play your play your fifteen twenty minutes max. You know, um, do your load management because in Chicago it might be too much pressure. In Memphis, it won't be yeah. unless Jaw goes down again. Um, but in Memphis, he he's surrounded by a bunch of young guns. And those kids are just full of energy and. I think that's the perfect spot for him where he could play like a Adonis Haslam role um, like he does for Miami. So that, that that's where I see Conley mm-hmm. goes. But, yeah, we're, we're giving Mike Conley his flowers because he deserves it. And yeah. Um, yeah. He, he, he hasn't <laughs> mentioned anything about retirement yet, but we know he's at the end of the rope. So <laughs> we're, we're giving him his flowers. So we spoke offline about – the trade, of course, and how the East is going to look. And I, I offered up my prediction. I said, I believe now Cleveland is going to be in the top four um, in the Eastern Conference. I heard some people say, oh, top three. Uh, maybe. I'm, I'm going to be generous and say top four, and I remove Miami from the top four. How dangerous do you think, if healthy, Cleveland can be? Um. <clears throat> I definitely, um, and this is assuming everyone healthy. To me, there's an elite three right now in uh, in the East, and it's Boston. You got to go with them because they're defending Eastern champs, and they're still young, and they're going to be a problem for quite a few more years if they stay um, intact. You know, if they don't trade away Jalen Brown and Marcus Smart right now. So I think it goes Boston, <clears throat> Milwaukee and Philly. Those are my big three in the East. And um, I, th- I was like you. I had the Heat right there at number four behind them, those three. Um, but now I-, I think Cleveland gives them some problems. I think Chicago this year is right there to give them some problems. Um, there's some teams that were like low in last year that seemed to maybe take a step forward just out of pure progression or um, they got better through the trade. So I think there's a good chance Toronto may be a little bit better. Um, Atlanta could be a little bit better. We see them, we saw them kind of like reach their potential last year. It's like, so they went out and they got um, DeJounte Murray, you know, so the East, one through like six, I think is going to be a real dogfight, real tough. Uh, it's going to be hard to pick the exact position of some of these teams. It might come down to who's healthiest, who goes through uh, winning streaks at the right times, these these kind of things. If the team dynamic holds up, the, I mean, it's easy to forget, but Boston was was dead in the water last year. Yeah, through the like first uh, few months or half the season or so, and then they just turned it on. Yeah, right. So you just never know. But if I had to guess, I think those are going to be the top teams in the East, like one through six, jockeying for position, and then filling up the end. You're going to have also the wild card two to me is the Brooklyn Nets because I mean, what has really changed, like. Can Kyrie now play home games? Is that yeah. going to be right? Okay. Yeah. So they're going to be different. If the attitude is different, you got to say that they're they're probably up there somewhere. Ben Simmons is still a question mark with that team. 
So it's hard to place them. Um, like I said, I think they're like the the ones that could go the highest or the lowest in my eyes. They have the potential to be up there. So at the end, you're going to have Charlotte flirting around with a spot. You're going to have New York seemingly flirting around with one of the last playoff spots because it seems like um, they took us a, a step forward during this offseason, even though they didn't get Mitchell. Uh, they did make a few moves. I think they're going to be right there. Uh, it's it's going to be a real dogfight in the East. I have no idea where where some of these teams are going to land because there's a lot of teams that are going to be extremely competitive. Um, it's going to fall, I think, because of the competition of the East. Um, <clears throat> my expectations for the Magic, which I wish – could be higher. I think they take steps forward too, but in terms of overall competition, the East is doing the same thing. So I'd like to see them get into the playoff tournament or playoff or play in tournament. I'm sorry, but um, mm -hmm. I think they're going to fall just short of that, even though they're going to do much better. It's just the competition is going to be very tough in the East. Those, those top six spots, seven spots, they could, it could kind of go a lot of different ways. But the, yeah. my top three, I think, are pretty solid, despite in, or unless there's an injury. You forgot to mention my little cousin in Charlotte. How dare you disrespect the one-time rookie of the year? How, how dare you? Like, Charlotte's not going to do anything? Like, are you, are you serious? I'm, are you serious? I mentioned him. I don't remember you mentioned that. I mentioned him uh, getting into the play-in. That's about it. Oh, yeah. forgive me. Forgive me. LaMelo's going to be in the top six. Calm down. They just they lost Bridges. <laughs> they didn't lose him. Technically, technically he's still on the team. Technically, uh, he yeah. just didn't get the con he just didn't get the contract that he thought he was going to get. So they're waiting for his legal legal issues to be uh, sorted out. So he wasn't an unrestricted free agent. He's a restricted free agent. So he's going to be there for another year at least. Now, does he play? I have no idea. Um, but he he has some legal issues that he needs to take care of. But if he doesn't play, that actually frees up more minutes for P.J. Washington, who's on a bigger contract than Bridges anyway. So they're similar. Bridges was a little more advanced, but now maybe P.J. Washington can grow a little bit. So, but yeah, I just those think they're using to give him like a huge bump, and they have a new coach to learn to play for. Yeah, yeah. So those I'm just not sure if they go up or down. Sorry. Look, um, your boy Clifford might run him into the crowd. Some of them might need that, though. Like, you just don't know how people are going to respond. Yeah, it's like Thibodeau. Michael. Like, you better be ready to go play for Thibodeau. Yeah. Like, yeah. you know. <laughs> it, it would not surprise me, and, and I'm not saying it in a bad way, but it would surprise me if LaMelo gets injured doing this season because he's just wore down. Because <laughs> Clifford, Clifford doesn't play. One, one team I'm very curious about, and it's kind of similar to, to Charlotte, is Atlanta because mm – -hmm. Nate, Nate McMillan historically has been a defensive coach. He was a great defensive player in the NBA. Um, he, they need to open up the offense just a little more and be more creative and let DeJounte Murray and Trey Young play off of each other. Now, they have a little relationship. They, uh, they're, they belong to the same agency, so they're pumped for being able to play together. Um, but I just think now it's on to the coaching staff to actually open up the offense a little bit and let those two guys create. So hopefully we get that um, because outside of Damian Lillard 10 years ago, 
Nate McMillan has never had the potential firepower that he has right now. <laughs> so, mm -hmm. You know, hopefully he can loosen up the reins a little bit and let those guys free flow um, because that could be a spectacular backcourt. Just And just like with Cleveland, with Mitchell and, and Garland, they can both play the one and two positions. Um, they are a smaller backcourt, but that front line that Cleveland has is absolutely amazing and is absolutely young. Like that whole team Cleveland has young from the head coach on down. I will be watching more Cavs games. I, mm -hmm. I, I had said I was going to watch more Magic games this year, but. <laughs> well, it's a good but, problem to have. You're just overall yeah. excited about these younger teams. Yeah. I mean, yeah, that's I a know. good thing. I mean, you can only watch the old Heat so many times and watch them miss out on the championship so many times. I, 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 I am a Heat lifer, mm -hmm. but sometimes I need a little more energy. <laughs> I need a little more energy on the court. Um, so we, we had a revelation this week, and one of our favorite players that we haven't seen in a while through injury, through bullshit, whatever. John Wall could have played last year, but the team, Houston, decided to shut him down. But he's been one of our favorite players throughout the years. Um, and also what we've seen more so the last few years were players like DeMar DeRozan, players like Paul George speaking out against, well, speaking out for uh, mental health, and even Kevin Love. I'm like, I know there's another one. Kevin Love, too. And John Wall shared a small story this week about, you know, dealing with the injuries, dealing with the loss of loved ones, you know, how he thought about suicide and had suicidal thoughts. So I'm a proponent for mental health awareness. I've gone to therapy multiple times. Um, how how does your perception of John Wall change with him being so open? Because with me, when I look at him now, I'm like, to me, he was already a great young man, but now just like pushed him up into the stratosphere because we we know players. Well, we know players, you know, we see them on the court, but we don't really know players and don't know some of the struggles that they go through because to us, they're superheroes and they're flawless. Um, but I, I've always respected the young man. But now I have so much more respect for him because he was able to come out and be open and honest about this because a lot of people won't do that. Um, so how do you feel about it? <clears throat> uh, I was glad to hear him come out and say it. In terms of being surprised, look, I've been a John Wall fan since he was playing at Kentucky. Um, I've Doing the Dougie? Yeah. And um, – <laughs> I'm telling you, like, I was a big fan of his and DeMarcus Cousins, and they played together and they came into the league together. Um, I always loved, you know, from uh, guys like Derrick Rose to John Wall, I loved these these style guards that just, like, you know, it was like nothing could stop them. John Wall came into the league and his style of play, I just everything about him um, I've liked since the day I saw him. Um, everything about him, and I liked his – his uh, spirit, you know, he come out, he was a clear leader and he had the talent to lead. And uh, he, he, by all respects, came out and was a very um, open person. Like I, I followed him on uh, social media, I think the whole time. Mm -hmm. And to me, he's always come off as a very genuine person. Um, um, I'm, he was like one of my favorite players for a long time. And, uh, 
the same with um, DeMarcus Cousins for the same reasons. Um, it seemed like he was getting a bad rap almost because Cousins was so open. Like, he's so just like, what you see is what you get, and it gets him in right. trouble because he could be emotional at times. Right. John Wall right. seemed to have the same, <clears throat> uh, like, same genuine attitude, but handled things differently, obviously. And they just hear him. So hear him come out and talk about it. That part doesn't surprise me as much as just hearing the details of it because we do all go through things. It's like it's easy to knock Ben Simmons as well, but we don't truly know his life. We don't truly know every little detail he's going through. So it's easy for us to knock people for one thing or another. But the the the, the recent outcry for actual um, attention towards uh, depression and anxiety and how these affect people and the, these athletes are just people too, you know, to see how, how it affects everyone, including them who seem to be on top of the world. Right. And they come out, you mm -hmm. know, he, he lost grandmother, a mother, uh, sick injury for year after year, um, keeping him out of the only thing that's probably ever brought him joy his whole life. The game he plays, the, the game that he loves to play, he's given his whole life for. Then you have all these outside circumstances. So it seems like literally your whole world is crashing down. You're losing the, the people who have loved you most your whole life. You've lost the game. It, it makes sense. It, it's very humanizing to feel those thoughts because I think a lot of us have felt those thoughts. You know, so it's nice to see someone like him, you know, th that you can relate to, that you can get, you know, strength from. You can hear their, hear their testimony and how they dealt with it. You know, it's nice um, in terms of who he is as a person. This situation doesn't surprise me. I'm just glad that he was able to come out, talk about it, because that's probably good for him as well. It, it was just a nice like it's nice to see in in general, um, I guess, the the way he was just able to come out and talk about it. It's like, um, you know, maybe other people's situations would would it would look eat better on them if they could come out with the kind of detail in the um, the kind of I'm trying to think of the, the word is like, you know, just putting your stuff out there for the world to judge. It's it's scary. But, you know, you know, people come down real hard on Ben Simmons. Like I said, maybe maybe if everybody knew everything, maybe if he just came out and addressed it instead of little behind the behind the scenes situations and you're hearing from one source or another about the situation. You know, what John Law did was just come out and talk about it and handle it and, you sure. know, let people know. And, and I think that's respectable. So um, kudos to him. I uh, hope he's doing well all the time. We, you know, he he's spectacular when, when he's he healthy and his mind's right. And so I just hope I hope he can get back to doing what he loves. Yeah, he, he's a great young man. And now he's in the best professional situation he could be in because he is on a low key contender for really the first time in his career. If healthy, Yeah, and, and also for the first time in his career, he's in this position where he's not the guy, um, so he can defer. And I, I think that's the best position for him to be in, again, at this stage of his career. So, like, for example, we talked about Mike Conley earlier. Like, if, if the Clippers didn't have John Wall, Mike Conley to the Clippers, right? <laughs> if they didn't have um, who's the other guy? Who's their main guard? Um, their uh, Reggie guard. Jack. Reggie Jackson's their starter. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So like one or the other. If they didn't have one or the other, you can use Conley. Yeah, he's their starter. So before we head out of here today, I do want to update a couple of stories that we talked about last week. 
of course, when we had Kevin Carter of the Balls in Our Court podcast on. Thank Shout you so much. So a couple of things. One, um, I do want to talk about this Giannis thing again, just, just a little bit, because me and you watch various other podcasts, and um, Chris Richard and Rob Parker brought up a great point this week. After, after we recorded ours, you know, I saw one of their videos, and they brought up a great point about they added another reason to why Giannis could be disrespected so much, and it's something I didn't think of, so I want to address it now, that he wasn't U.S. grown. He didn't come up through the AAU circuits like our guys do, and that could be another reason why our guys don't really respect him. How do you feel about that point of view? Well, it's like – so will they will they only it seems weird that the players would only respect technical skill as well though because so so many AAU guys come up where it's your athleticism and it's your size that gets you through so so many years without the technical side. So I don't understand the the knock on Giannis and where he comes from when you're not knocking Luca and the other foreign players for where they come from. It's like Luca, you you can knock him all day for his um, conditioning and the way he preps for a season, but you're not gonna say that he doesn't know that like the technical side of how to score the ball, right? Like, yeah, it just seems weird. Like, they're if that's the case, then they're just picking and choosing. It just seems childish, I guess. Like, you're you're picking at something when you're you're trying to find a problem with it or something like that instead of just giving the guy his respect. Um. For, for what this is what's weird if Giannis hadn't accomplished anything I, I get it uh, I get it but he what what more do you want him to accomplish on, on a right. team that doesn't have a LeBron James or a Kevin Durant or Stephen Curry his best next player is um I, why am I blanking Chris, I talk, Chris Middleton Chris Middleton mm-hmm. talk about him all the time that's your next best player and I'm not saying he's not great okay but he has won with less, and yeah. he has put the team on his shoulders in ways that other players have not. I don't care where he came from. He could have started playing basketball five years ago. That's impressive then. His progress is impressive. His mentality is impressive. If anybody knocks on him at this point, I think they're just jealous or they're trying to get views or clicks. Mm-hmm. They're jealous of what he had. They're jealous they can't be that tall and that athletic then that's not something you can fight or you can grow. Like, Gilbert Arenas can't figure out how to be taller. So he, so he had to do things his way, which which fell apart magnificently around him. Yes. Every, okay, so I don't even want to hear Gilbert Arenas ever speak on it because why would I care? Why would I care what he says? I want to hear what LeBron James would have to say about it maybe, and I still wouldn't care if he knocked him. Because Giannis has proven everybody wrong. Winning yeah. winning proves everybody wrong. And Giannis has won at every level, like fucking every award you can win. So I, I don't want to hear it. Like that's just – I think that's just people being petty and trying to find a reason. It's like uh, in Francis and Ganu in the UFC, like what he came from, like as a child to be here, it's like he hasn't been fighting nearly as long as everyone. But he's huge, and when he hits you – you you go out. It's no different. Like the te- technically, he's not as good as everyone, but he's bigger mm-hmm. and stronger, and he has the right mindset. Who's to say he's not the best just because of those reasons? Like you're finding a reason to pick on the guy, 
but the guy is winning on every level. And Giannis is yeah. one of them. So I don't want to hear guys like Gilbert Arenas who haven't won anything talk about it like that because it's it's gross. It is, and I, the, the way I respect Giannis, of course, he flirted with my team a couple of years ago and decided to stay in Milwaukee and went through us to win the championship. So that that was fine. He does it his way because he hears the noise just like we hear the noise, and he doesn't give a fuck. He he does his own thing, and that's what I can respect about him because. And that could be a benefit from him not being quote unquote homegrown, that he doesn't listen to all the negativity and shit that some of our homegrown players make. Um, so that I, or I have he hears it, it and he uses it as motivation. He doesn't jump back on Twitter to argue with Charles Barkley. I think, yeah. I think I told you who I was <laughs> So yeah, I agree with you though. I think it's a good thing. Uh, on, on <laughs> You taking low key shots at Kevin Durant? <laughs> Every chance I get. <laughs> our, our our second update, because um, this happened in real time when we were recording last week, was the uh, injury injury to Danilo Gallinari, uh, one of my low key favorite players. Um, so it turned out to be worse than we thought. It is a full ACL tear, so he's going to miss the well, he's going to miss all the upcoming season. And he's thirty four years old. This is a blow to the Boston Celtics because they did add who I think is one of the best point cards in the league, Malcolm Brogdon, but then they also brought Gallinari in to solidify their their bench, which was a little weak. So now with Gallinari out of the picture, there's rumors, there's rumbling that maybe the Celtics would look at Carmelo Anthony. So one, how how do you think this injury affects Gallinari? Do you think he comes back, or do you think he just quietly retires? And two, do you think Carmelo Anthony would be a good fit for the Boston Celtics? Um, I'm not as familiar with Gallinari, like, in terms of, like, uh, how he deals with things as much. Uh, I know he's been in the league a while, a long time. Um, so I can't speak on whether or not I, he calls it quits or not. You just don't know. Um, I, I do think – I do think it might be a good idea to bring in a Carmelo Anthony if you can, if he wants to play there. Mm-hmm. Because I feel like he had more basketball to be played as well. Um, I know he was out of the league. Like It, it was really weird what happened to him. So, I, 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 like I said, I can't, I can't speak on that either to see how he feels. But if he feels like there's something left to be given – and there's a contender that can use him, and you you know I'm all for it. Um, I, I'm a fan of Carmelo, so it it also gives hope to like other players, you know, who who are mm-hmm. trying to do the same thing. These injuries happen every year. You know, Gallinari might not be ready to retire, but nonetheless, he has a spot that has to be filled. And there's a lot of guys who are probably at the um, either end of the line that can play for some of these minutes. Um, so I, I'm all for Carmelo if he if he can get back in there and they want him fitting in with a team a, a real contender like uh, like Boston because they're gonna need him for those long playoff stretches and especially for like our age um, we grew up with Carmelo you know we saw so much of him uh, I don't think there's a lot of people that are really gonna hate on him except maybe old Denver fans that are like still burned for some reason but. I got nothing bad to say about Carmelo. I like to see I like to see him in the league uh, whenever possible. It was a shame that him and 
LeBron were a little too old to, to get anything really substantial going together. Um, but yeah, I mean, the longer he stays in the league and is actually valuable, the, the better it is for everybody, I think, because it, it just it, it kind of changes things for some of these older players. Like uh, 20 years ago, you couldn't be in the league this long. You know, the, it just wasn't there. Um, their bodies didn't hold up the same way. So I think it's just a testament to to like their life, their career and like how they've done things, taking care of themselves. If, if he's talented enough to be there, he deserves to be there. So nothing bad to say about Carmelo. Yeah, I think I, I think with, with Gallinari, because he averaged them their 12 points a game off the bench for Atlanta last year. Um, he had size. He's a good shooter. Mm-hmm. When when you have these injuries younger, you tend to bounce back quicker for them. But when you have them when you're older, Tough. it's a little harder. You, your body may not respond as well. Like like when Kobe ripped his Achilles, we knew he was done. So he came mm. back and he gave he gave him that other year for his farewell farewell tour. But at that stage of his career, it was it was a wrap. Um, so Gallinari has been a decent NBA player, um, and like you said, he's been around for a long time bounced around as he got older, but he would have been a perfect fit for what Boston needed off that bench. And and so it sucks that and don't get me wrong, he was playing for his country uh for a qualifier, so I get it. But it, it's a huge blow to the Celtics because their one weak spot was their bench. Um Carmelo Anthony, believe it or not, there's there's rumors of him returning to New York. There's rumors of him returning to Denver, and there's rumors of him returning, well, not returning, but going to Boston. So I'm not sure which route he's going to take. I mean, it's going to be in a limited bench role, of course, because he's at the end, too. Um, I stay away from saying that players deserve to win a championship. I stay away from people like, oh, this guy deserves He's been in the league 20 years, i.e. Chris Paul. What I will say is it would be nice if Melo was to win one because from his draft class, LeBron got one. Um, Darko Milicic got one. He's been out the league. Of course, Wade got one. So he's one of the prominent guys from his draft class that doesn't have a championship, that has never even played in the NBA Finals. So, you know, I, I would like to see it happen. Um if he, I was hoping it could happen last year <laughs> before that shit show fell apart. Um, yeah, yeah. But if he could get to Boston, they would present his best shot to at least get to the NBA Finals. And I'm not saying Boston's going to come out of the East because I, I think it's Milwaukee's mm-hmm. to lose. Um, but he would at least have his best shot with Boston. Um, you know, fuck the sentimental shit with, with Denver and fuck the sentimental shit with New York. Don't get me wrong. Denver's good, too. Don't get me wrong. Denver's good if those youngins come back healthy. But Boston just presents an opportunity for him. And now with with uh, Gallinari going down for the year, I think it would be a perfect fit for Melo. Um, just insane, right? Because this is your – this is kind of like my second generation, but I think this is your first generation – seeing people coming in and then kind of transitioning out. <laughs> it's, 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 it's a weird thing. It's, it's a really weird thing. Um, as we get older, we see it. Um, so, like, for example, I know you're a Dwight Howard fan. You're going to see him transition out soon. You saw him come in, you're going to see him leave soon. Where would you like to see? Would you like to see the reunion? There's rumblings. There are rumblings. 
between Dwight and the Magic. Would you like to see that reunion? No, thank you. Um, I will say this too. Um, <laughs> I started really watching basketball again uh, when the Magic were finally getting good again. And I know that sounds like, if anything, bandwagony, but I've always been a Magic fan, and I've come and gone with all of the sports. Uh, I've, I've watched every sport at, at some point, even soccer. Um, basketball is one of the only ones I've actually come back to and, and watched a lot of. And the Magic were always my team. So <clears throat> I came back and started watching it when they got good. It was like same time. But even at that time, I was very much bored with the style. Um, Dwight Howard has always been fun to watch on the defensive end for me. Like, you know, you see some highlights. That's nice. Um, but he was no Shaq. He, he was not that exciting to watch. And the style of play with some of our other players, you know, Richard Lewis, Turkaloo, um, even to a point, Jameer Nelson for some, um, that they, they could be exciting for some, but their general style of play, pass it into Dwight, pass it back out, um, that wasn't exciting to me. Dwight wasn't as exciting on the offensive end. I was never – I liked Dwight Howard for the sake of he was on my team and that he was great at what he did. But he was never one of my favorite players. I never wanted the Dwight Howard jersey while he was there. I wanted the Lewis jersey, actually. Um, wow. Um, so I just don't really so much mind not having him back. I'm so I'm sure some people would like to, but um, not for me. No, no, I'm good. He, he can go retire in Atlanta in his hometown. Look, Cortez is going to kick you out of the Magic Nation for that one. <laughs> You shouted out Jameer. You shouted out Jameer, so that's what it's I know. I saved myself a little bit. I mentioned <laughs> I did that on purpose. I'll, I'll, I'll say this. I, You guys have plenty of bigs right now. I, I think if if you didn't have so many bigs, I would be okay with him coming back to Orlando because let's just be honest. Dwight Howard has had a decent NBA career, but he's been in the shit since he left Orlando. Let's just let's yeah. just be real. Um. In his short time in Orlando, I believe it was six or seven years, um, he was one of the most impactful players in the history of that franchise. Now, was he offensively gifted? Absolutely not. He was always robotic with his move. He was just robotic. But for some crazy reason, he scared the shit out of other teams offensively to where they always double-teamed him, which opened up Rashard Lewis, Hidu Turkaloo. Jameer Nelson, J.J. Reddick, who is Jesus in Orlando. So that's why you guys were able to have that three-point barrage that you guys had because Dwight drew so much attention in the paint, um, yeah, yeah. Which, is, which, is, which is ridiculous to me because he wasn't a great offensive threat. It's so ridiculous that it happened. And I grew up watching the inside-outside game, so I loved it. I absolutely loved it. Teams don't play that way anymore. Philly, kind of, they try it, but they, they just don't. As great as Embiid is, they just don't because they don't they can't never keep the shooters consistent. So, but Philly tries it. So I, mm -hmm. I actually love that style of basketball. I grew up on it. But it's it's just it's just crazy to me that post Orlando, he's an afterthought. And I do believe will it save his career? No. He he's on the way out. We know that. Will it save his peace of mind? Yes, because he sees the 
need that. And no place, <clears throat> you know what they say, is not always greener on the other side. No yeah. team that he's played for has taken care of him like the Magic did because the Magic kept the White Howard. I'm not going to say kept him out of a lot of shit, but they kept the shit that was happening to him on the low. <laughs> I also <laughs> think it was bad timing with the back injury because a back injury with a big man is different. It's like a leg injury with a guard. It's you, You're probably not ever going to be the same, yeah. like unfortunately. Um, that really seems to be the case with big men. So I think it was him leaving in the back injury that kind of like ruined his career. Yeah, but I, I, I'm i sentimental with players coming back home. And mm-hmm. I mean, we're right down the road so we can see how that city embraced him and cherished him. And I think it would be great for him at the end to have that. But I just don't see how it works with this current roster. I just I, I don't. Um, I, I mean, I say the same thing. Yeah. Like, we, yeah. we're this roster is meant for something else right now. We don't need to be worried about bringing back legends, I guess, right now. That's not <laughs> you want to be sentimental about someone going back home. That's what you should appreciate the LeBron James Cleveland trip, as I know you do. You know, you're the biggest piece of shit <laughs> I have ever. I have ever met because LeBron wasn't homegrown in Miami, of course. But mm-hmm. anyways, anyways um, with that said, <laughs> thank you guys for watching another episode of the Hardwood Nature podcast. Our platform is really growing. Bryce, I, I texted you one of the numbers the other day. I'm going to text you another number today because uh, our last video. Our last video started off slow on YouTube, but then it's picked up over the last couple of days. I'm like, wow, what's going on? So we we are trending up. So please continue to like, subscribe, and share our content. Follow us on Twitter at Hardwood Nation. Uh, Respond to us when we say stupid questions like, who's greater, Dwayne Wade or James Harden? Um, Drop comments on our YouTube videos. We respond. Most of the time, we respond. (laughs) Yes, thank you. (laughs) Thank you, everyone, and we will see you next time.